Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com mailbag podcast. Glad to have you along with us. Less than two weeks till Tennessee practices football. We've got plenty of things to get to with your questions in the mailbag edition here of the podcast. And again, we want to thank our friends at Blue Water Climate Control for their continued support of the podcast and of VolQuest.com. For any of your air conditioning needs, any heating needs as well, it's not heating time right now, uh, but any of your air conditioning needs um, or HVAC needs, uh, Blue Water Climate Control can take care of you. They're going to send the right person out, a repairman, not a salesman, to come out, look at your unit, figure out what you need. They're going to do the right repair the right way, uh, whether it's a simple repair, a cleanup, whether it's a tune-up, whether it's a brand new system, whatever you need. They're going to take good care of you at Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com, or you can give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. To the questions we go to get this mailbag started. Other than the quarterbacks, guys, what will you be watching the first week of practice? Now, remember, there's no pads, so what are you looking for the first week of practice? Rob Lewis, let's start with you. How about that? I mean, um, just not any position specifically, but just all the, you know, the, the transfers. I mean, the, the legend that is Joe Milton, what, what does he look like? Uh, you know, the, the, two, the two linebackers, uh, the defensive linemen, you know, just, just transfers in general is an easy answer for me. I mean, and as you said, no pads. I don't think we'll get to see a lot, but just physically, you know, do they look like guys that can help you? Austin Price? I agree. I, the transfers is who you're looking at because, I mean, it's just new bodies. So, I mean, like, even if it's a young guy like a Deshaun Rucker or a Cayman Marley that wasn't here for spring, uh, I, I lean towards just anybody that wasn't here. You the know, newbie. just what do they look like? You know, I mean, I think that that is, you know, uh, how they play is going to determine how Tennessee does this fall. I, so, I mean, like, I not not the Deshaun Ruckers and Cayman Marleys, but, like, you know, when you look at the transfers, Jawan Mitchell, you know, you know, Caleb Tremblay, you know, you know, you know, Deshaun Terry, so on and so forth. I mean, how these players, Brandon Turnage, um, how these guys play, and, and not that you're gonna really learn a lot, but you're gonna learn what they look like. You know, do they look like a dude? We all know Deshaun Terry looks like a dude. We saw him out there at, at, at camp this summer, but what does Turnage look like? What does Milton look like throwing it around? You know he's gonna look pretty, you know, but again. As I've said, I think you're you're silly to hitch your wagon to any quarterback at this point. I think the first time I'd hitch my wagon to a quarterback is probably two weeks in. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody anybody's going to go, and there will be more quarterback questions here in the mailbag, I'm sure. But um, I, I don't think anybody should be hitching anything because I don't think anything's decided at all in regards to, to the quarterback position. I'm with you. I mean, I think new bodies uh, is, is what everybody wants to see. And how do those new bodies move? Look, I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen Terry. He looks good walking around, right? I mean, he does. But, but how does he play? How does he move? You know, you, you see a guy, Rob. We've talked about him, R.J. Perry. He looks the part. Can he play the part? Can he move? I mean, how, how does that look even without pads on? So, uh, I, I think some of those young guys, and obviously all the new bodies, uh, are what you're looking for that first week of practice. All right, onward we go. Was the president talking about Randy Boyd smarter than everyone by dragging out the investigation? until the NCAA was dissolved. Well, the NCAA is not dissolved at this point. Um, so no, um, there's no, nobody sat around last December and said, Hey, let's, let's go, let's go nine months into this investigation and see what happens with the NCAA. So um, I do think Tennessee may be nearing uh, a conclusion from the standpoint of the investigation. Um, I don't know who else they need to talk to. 
but it's going to be interesting to see what they self-impose, and, and it's going to be interesting to see, Austin, who the NCAA wants to talk to themselves. Do they want to talk to anybody else um, as a part of their own independent investigation? I don't know that they will because they've been a part of everything to this point, but you never know how that goes, and uh, we'll see. Tennessee's hoping, I think, to – at least get something out there on the table, self-imposed, uh, at least a, you know, an idea of what that may be uh, sometime in the next six to eight weeks, I think is the hope. They've talked to members of the last staff. They've talked to members of, you know, two years ago staff. They've talked to recruits uh, as far as 2021s. They've even talked to some 2022s in this investigation. So, I mean, They've, they've exhausted every avenue um, talking to people. And, uh, you know, they've reached out to, you know, donors and everything else. So it, it, it's it, – you would think that, you know, you're, you're to the end. I, I don't know what – at this point, it does feel like they're just, well, let's move this paper from this side of the table to that side of the table. Yeah, yeah it's another 75000 I mean, like, that's what it feels like at this point. Like, how much more could you be doing? Like, what, what how many bones – can you dig up? It's like I went, you know, everybody knows I was in Colorado after about three days in the, in the Rocky mountain national park. Like there's only so many more lakes and mountains. I could take a picture behind me. Like, I mean, like at some point you, you have to exhaust what you're doing. How, how much more can you do at this point? Yep. I agree. I agree. On to Cedar bluff of all here. He's got question hoops questions for Rob Lewis. Rob, can you reset the hoops board for us? Discuss a few things a bit here. Who do you feel like Tennessee's in best shape with? Who are the top targets? How many do they want to sign in the fall? Who will they push hardest for currently? All right, let's – I don't know if we need to reset the board. I think the board's pretty – it's kind of been where it's been. I don't, I don't think there's anything new, uh, to my knowledge, really changing in the board. What, what do you feel like Tennessee is in – Is in not, not, not the it's done deal, okay? Not the it's I'm feeling good about it uh, or the 50-cent gift, as Austin likes to say. But who do you like where Tennessee's at with right now? Kassan uh, Wallace more than anybody, and I don't know that anybody else that's on the board is as far along in the recruitment as as he as he seems to be. So I, I think, and, and I'm with you. I wouldn't. There's no resetting the board. I mean, the only guy that I think is a real serious somebody Tennessee is really serious about that wasn't that we hadn't talked a lot about is Justin Powell, the five star, and I'm, I'm not. Right now, I don't have a great feel for what his shot would be there. Um, elsewhere at the top of the board, Brandon Miller from over in Nashville is right at the top of the board. Somebody they're pushing hard for. I don't think he's going to do anything very soon. Maybe not, maybe will not even sign in the fall. Um, two big guys I think they they like the best are Johan Treor and Ernest Uday. Uh, I might like their chances a little better with Uday. Um, still recruiting Dylan Mitchell hard. I think Florida State's going to be tough to beat. They're still recruiting Jalen Hood, Shafino, uh, still recruiting Deontay Green. But I, I, at the top of the board, I would put Wallace. I would put Miller, um, Uday, Treor, and I don't think I'm leaving anybody out, though I wouldn't – off the top of my head, that wouldn't be an impossibility. And I, I would think, I think they would be comfortable signing four in the fall. Four? And, again, and, and they'll wait on Brandon Miller. And if Brandon Miller doesn't – is not ready to sign in November. He will have a spot whenever he make, whenever he decides. Yeah, I just if, love, I love when you say Trofino or, 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 you know, whatever it is. It's just, it, it just gets me, gets me fired up. 
no, no matter what Tennessee does in the fall, if Miller is still out there, they will have room for him, even if that means somebody has a tough conversation with, with the head coach in the not, spring. Not going to turn that one away. They're never going to be yeah. too full for him is what you're telling me. No, not not, be no chance. No All chance. right. All right. Um, Austin, more likely – it looks more likely that Branson Robinson ends up at Georgia. What other running back prospects should we be looking out for, or could they be done with just a Samson commitment? Running backs, Austin Price. Well, they're done. If they don't get Branson Robinson or if, let's say, they, they may choose to call Jordan James and just see. But, I mean, I, I think that the only way you could have done that is if you were landing Isaiah Horton as well. Um, so, you know, I, outside of those two, I just don't see him. I don't see him going back in on Dallin Hayden. Um, you know, they, they tried to get him to come to campus, and he didn't want to, and – you know, and it's probably best. I mean, like, let's face it, they, you know, nobody gave the, the Hayden family a hard time when they went to Ohio State. They, they everybody knew it was coming. And, you know, Dallin's happy with the Buckeyes. Um, outside of that, that's it. I don't see them taking another. I mean, look at the running back room. I mean, body after body after body. I mean, I mean, they ain't got enough balls to go around now. Yeah. I mean, and we'll see what that running back room, you know, how some guys emerge or don't emerge in that room. And you never know what it looks like. Come the fall, come the end of the season. You never know if there's a JUCO guy. I mean, you, you never know what happens there. But I mean, they would take Branson Robinson, and outside of that, it's probably unlikely that anybody else. They're not going to take a guy just to have a second guy. I think is what you're implying, right? Correct. I mean, that that's probably not yes. the direction they're going to go. All right. Um, given the focus on getting more of the team vaccinated, do the protocols differ? If vaccinated teammates test positive versus non-vaccinated teammates, are the testing protocols the same as last fall or have they been relaxed? I think nobody, I don't think anybody knows exactly what the protocols are going to be. Um, I think that's all, you know, being looked at. And as the commissioner said, that's changing every day with numbers that are changing out there. And, you know, his answer to that right now is just, you know, everybody get vaccinated. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, if, you know, if, if guys are not vaccinated, I would think the testing protocols would have to be very similar to what they were a year ago. Um, I just think that would be, that would make the most sense, but we'll see. I know on the basketball side, they're still testing kids and still testing now, at least as of last Tuesday, there were guys that were still, still getting tested, still getting tested. So, and, and we'll continue. And I, I know football's done continue to do testing as well. I don't know if it's been, as stringent and as frequent as it was on game weeks last fall for football, but I know that they have continued to test. Uh, but I think once you get into the season, I think if you would go back into a similar testing pattern that you had a year ago, um, and I, you know, and, and we'll see how many guys um, elect to get vaccinated or, or do not get vaccinated. Tennessee made it, made it known that they were not at 80%. They were not one of the six teams Josh Heupel said, Austin, that, that we're not at 80%, although it, you, you, you noted that Tennessee's pretty close to that, but they're not one of the six teams at 80% right now. Well, correct. I, someone said on the board, Brent, that, you know, well, I bet it's the guys that got, you know, just got here. Man, everybody's been here. Like, you're talking about Cayman Marley, you know, I mean, he was kind of the last addition. I mean, everybody else has been here since June 1, you know, so, I mean, that's a month and a half. So, well, it, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, it's guys with pre personal preferences to some guys sure probably, family. probably don't feel the, don't feel the need because they had it a year ago. They had it last fall. 
you know, do they feel like they need to get it because they've got the antibody? I mean, there's just a lot of things out there um, that, that everybody's trying to sort through beyond student athletes, you know, families with their kids and everything else are trying to look through. So no, I don't think it's just kids that just got here. Um, I, I think it's just the personal preferences of a lot of kids, not just at Tennessee, uh, but around the country um, who, who are trying to make that decision and, and to this point have decided not to have the shot. All right. Uh, did the staff decide they like um, Austin? How do you say it? How do you say Elick's name? Alec. Alec, how do you say his last name? Ailmanor or Ailmanor. I mean, I, I need to ask him. AP, <laughs> come I, on. That's that was. I, 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 didn't set, like I set it up for you to deliver with conviction, and you didn't. Well, Alec is is what the kid goes by. All right. Now, we'll as go, far as how you say his last name, I just say when I call him, I just say, "Hey, Alec." Okay, so I don't we're, go, we're, we're gonna Alec, call him Alec Ailmanor. <laughs> Well, now if you were if you were talking to to Deion Sanders, that would end the conversation if you didn't How say about that. Name, you know, How about, I mean that's off topic, but my word, can you? That's that was unbelievable. I just I just love that everybody went and made like three minute videos of reporters calling Nick Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, there have been times where I've said Butch or Jeremy. There have been times where I say Coach. I mean, like. I, you know, it's different. I mean, heck, half of the recruits I call call me coach, or probably call y'all coach, because that's just kind of a, a, a almost a a common thing that you know kids do, or or even other coaches do. You know, when they're just talking, they're just so used to saying coach, they call a lot of people coach. So I, it, it's so bizarre to me that that Dion, you know, yeah. After watching the video, I get it. Like, the, <laughs> like he asked, and the guy kind of was a smart aleck back and. It is what it is. But, I mean, I, you know, get off your high horse. I mean, good God. You know, Steve Matthews, though, former coach of Catholic, used to, you know, I'd call him Steve, and he'd, he'd, he'd get mad. And I'm like, I'm not calling you anything but Steve. Like, <laughs> like you're an equal to me. Like, there's no, like, you know, you, you're not calling me reporter, you know, or Mr. Price. So, um, you know, I, I always cracked me up when he'd get his panties in a lot about such things. So, um, no different here. Yeah, I did, typically for me, I use coach in a press conference setting, generally not even their last name, just coach. And then if I'm in a casual conversation or a private conversation, I generally call them by their first name. That's kind of how it goes. All right, let's get back to let's get to about, back to VFL 84's question. Did the staff they s- decide that they like Elick more than Horton, Elk. which caused Elick more than Horton, which caused them to not push as hard there? Uh, and what are your thoughts on Alec as a player and a legit option for Tennessee, Austin Price? I think he's a very legit option for Tennessee. Uh, everybody that's seen him thinks he's a freak, you know. Now, it, there's just not a lot out there. You know, he's from Canada. He's a good-looking kid. Hubs, you and I saw him at the airport that day when he was here for his official visit. He is a really, really well-put-together kid. Um you know, but again, I, I don't know. I mean, like it, it's hard. To, it's always hard to judge. Like, what are you going against? You know, I know the one person said on the board that their kids or whatever went to that, you know, that particular school and the competition's not great, you know, but I mean, people said Trey Smith's competition wasn't great at USJ and, you know, he translated pretty well to, to college football. So, I mean, I just think a lot of it's the drive kids, a very smart kid. Um, so I, I think Tennessee's chances are, I mean, there's, they're as good as Stanford. And to me, it's a two team battle. Um, as far as Isaiah Horton, um, yeah, I just think Miami just wanted it more. You can, you can look at that however you want to look at it. 
Um, but Miami, Miami worked it hard with former players, uh, with Isaiah and, you know, and, and had the current, you know, current group of kids wearing them out. And so I'm not going to close the, the door on Isaiah long-term, but I'm going to close it for the short term. He's not picking Tennessee when he announces, but long-term, you know, if Tennessee goes out and throws it around a lot and Isaiah has a good senior year, I can totally see, you know, those two hooking back up sometime before signing day. All right, Pine Mountain Ball wants us to mix it up, all right? He wants starting fives. You cannot say any ors in your starting five, but he wants to change up who's answering what question. He wants, Austin, you to name your starting five in basketball. Oh, God. Um, Kennedy Chandler, um, Josiah Jordan-James, John Fulkerson, Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Man, I, number five. I don't know. That's tough. Um, I guess I'll go. I'll go Victor Bailey because I think that I think uh, our, our boy from overseas can can handle coming off the bench better than Victor Bailey could. Rob Lewis, what's your approval? What's your approval rate on that starting five in basketball? I don't think Victor Bailey at all. I'll be stunned if that's the case. I, my, my others, I would agree with the first four, and then I would go with uh, Justin Powell. Justin Powell. Oh, yeah. I See, I forgot about Powell. Yeah. There you go. See, yeah, right. I forgot about Powell. All right, Rob Lewis, you're starting five in the secondary. Golly. Uh, Alante, for sure. Um, I mean, you got to go with kind of chalk, I think, don't you? Um we're going to go Alante, Trey Flowers, McCullough. Flowers, uh, McCullough. I mean, until you see something different. Uh, I guess, you know, Nickel, Nickel would be interesting to me. As Warren um, Burrell, your corner opposite Alante. Well, I mean, he was ahead of Alante at the end of the spring, though, wasn't he? Yeah. But he would, he, he would be your corner. I, would go, side, I guess I would probably go Burrell and George. What about Turnage? Oh, yes. Forgot about Turnage. Much like AP forgot about Justin Powell being a transfer. I will go with – uh, Burrell and Turnage right now and chalk at the safeties. And then who ends up at, at nickel? Alante. You got Alante sliding in there. I mean, is he, is he ever even worked there? I don't believe he's got to start, right? I mean, the SEC. I don't, think he has, I don't, I don't think he necessarily has to start. I mean, so just you, because they took him immediate day. All right. Austin Price, who's your starting five in the secondary? I thought we were mixing it up. I um, am, but I'm getting your, I'm, I mean, we are mixing it up. I mean, I, I agree. I think it'll be Alante and Burrell to start the year. I think I'll go with the chalk at the safeties with Tamario McDonald pushing. Um, and then I'm going to go um, uh, Dominic or, or not Dominic, Danico Slaughter at the nickel. Can, can Tamario not, not play nickel? Can he not cover well enough? I don't think so. He's a safety. I mean, yeah, I like Danico. I like Danico. That, that was just a mystery last year. I mean, kids started. I, I know we, you know, he started because other people were out. It starts the first game of the year and then just disappears. Completely disappeared. All right. He also wants me to name the starting five infielders in baseball, and that's not even an option for me. No offense to baseball. Ben's not on here, so I'm going to take a hard pass on there because I don't think I can come up with five infielders at this point uh, with with Tennessee's roster and where it's at. All right, starting five offensive line. I, w- I wanted Ben to answer that one. Um, I'll answer that question for, for young Ben, who still thinks 
Dominic Wood Anderson is one of the greatest bust and greatest misses of all time in Tennessee recruiting. Uh, so my five uh, offensive linemen are going to be the Mays brothers, um, Carvin. I think Dane Davis starts the first game. I don't know if he holds there. Um, and then I'll go Darnell Wright as my fifth starter. Yeah, so you got Kate at guard. I got Kate at guard for the for game number one. We'll see what happens there. Um, I think Calvert's going to be interesting if the knee can hold uh, because I think he is in as good a spot mentally as he's been in in a long time at Tennessee. So we'll see how he does if the knee will hold up through fall camp. And that's a big issue. Last one, they're starting inside linebackers. Mitchell, I think we, we agree Mitchell's going to get one of those spots. I'm going to go Mitchell and Banks. Mitchell and Banks. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Providing I agree. Banks doesn't have any kind of misstep. Okay, I got you there. All right, on to the next one we go. What do you think a realistic jump in statistical performance is for this team this year? Since his time at Missouri, Heupel has only had one season without a 3,000-yard passer, one without a 1,000-yard receiver, um, and two seasons without a 1,000-yard rusher um, among two to four. Okay, something we have not done since 2016. Not asking for you who you think will be the leading player in each category is, but you think it's realistic for Tennessee to hit some of those marks. I'm going to throw a quarterback stat at you guys that um, – found uh, our crack staff sent to me today. Get a load of this one. In 2012, Tennessee had six 300-yard passing games, all led by Tyler Bray. Since 2013, that's 2013 through 2020, that's eight years of football, 98 games. I'm going to go six. I'm going to go six, too. They've had 10 300-yard passing games in the last 98 games played. They've had five in the last 48 games play. When you say it like that, it's almost like they haven't had good quarterback play. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's crazy when you think about it. Um, Well, they had, they had Dobbs for, you know, almost four years and he would, you know, probably throw for 250, but he he wouldn't get that 300 plateau. But he'd also run for 75, 80 yards. Here's the thing. Josh Dobbs in his career had five 300 yard passing games which I didn't think he would have had that many, to be honest with you. He had five. Garantano had three. That's the eight individual performances of 300 passing games. Garantano had it, one of those against Auburn, obviously. Then they've had two combined 300-yard uh, passing games, and that included Vanderbilt last year where Paxton Brooks had a 31-yard completion, so it took a punter to help him get over 300 yards last year. So back to his question, do you think Tennessee can hit – those kind of – any of those kind of numbers. Thousand-yard receiver, thousand-yard rusher, 3,000-yard passer. Any, any Do they hit any of those? I'm going to go 3,000-yard passer and a thousand-yard rusher, but I'm not going to go thousand-yard receiver. I think there's going to be so many guys that catch balls, you're going to have a, a collection at 600, 700. Somebody may get to 900, but I think ultimately, um, you know, somebody cracks a thousand in rushing, but not – uh, yeah, I, I feel the opposite. I feel like there's going to be too many guys getting carries. And you think it's just going to be one or two, like Smalls and Small and Evans? I think there's going to be three, but I, I, I almost honestly wonder if number three is just more of a compliment type guy. I would go. I would go a thousand yard receiver just because of his, his history there. And looking at some of the numbers, I mean, they have even they do have a lot of guys catch balls. But I mean, last year they had two guys that 
or at Central Florida in a shortened, you know, shortened season that caught 50 plus. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to spread it around, but also think they're going to throw it a lot. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I tend to think that, well, if they're going to, if they throw for 3000 yards, they're going to have a thousand yard receiver. Um, but I don't know about the thousand yard rusher because unless somebody takes and runs with that, I mean, if, you know, if a guy becomes the guy and it's down to two, you know, and one's a compliment, say Jalen Wright's the compliment guy, then, then they might have a thousand yard. But if, I don't know how Jerry Mack's going to rotate those guys back there um, when it comes to, you know, how he distributes carries and, and, you know, is he a one back or two back guy or is he a guy who's comfortable playing three or four guys and giving them carries in a game? Um, all right, on to the next one here. Corrington Ball, 17, not related to me for anyone who's curious. Has anyone seen anything to lead them to believe that Milton will be the starter? Are there reasons that Harrison is viewed as anything other than the starter? Austin said it best at the top. Ain't nobody hitching their wagons to anything at this point in time. I thought maybe the most honest and truthful answer, two combination answers that, that, that Josh Heupel gave in Birmingham – Competition makes everybody better. And two, reps, how reps are going to be divided are on how guys perform. Perform well, you get more reps. Perform poorly, you're going to lose reps. I think which, that which, tells you where he's at at quarterback. Which means for a guy like Harrison Bailey, he can't practice like he practiced most of the spring. I know all the fans, they love what he did in the spring game. But I, I talked to way too many people, whether it be players, whether it be coaches, whether it be support people, who just say he did not have a good – collection of practices leading up to the orange and white game was never consistent enough if he's consistent he'll have a real shot if he's not it's gonna be tough for him i, I just that's how i feel about it but i mean again I'm, I'm i think him. you're silly if you're if you're picking if you're picking your horse right now i'm not picking a horse i'm just hearing too much joe, joe milton stuff it's making me I, I i was skeptical earlier on when, when he first you know showed up but i there's too many whispers out there for me to think that that's not the guy that the coaches at least want to win the job. I, I hope that we get a chance to see these guys do something other than throw routes versus air so that we can formulate some kind of opinion on them as opposed to, um, you know, having to bank on what two or three different people will tell you. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, there, there's, certainly, there's certainly been consistent hype, if you will, from people you talk to about Joe Milton because he's big sure. and he can throw it a country mile. Um, but at the same time, too, people over there don't discredit what Harrison Bailey did in the spring game. But as you mentioned, can he, you know, can he practice more consistent? Maybe the most consistent practice guy is Hooker. But can he, can he throw the ball down the field on a consistent basis? We'll see. I, I think that that's why it's hard to say, you know, and, and I know, Rob, you're not saying this guy is going to be the guy, but you're hearing, you know, a lot of Joe Milton buzz, and there is a ton of Joe Milton buzz out there. Got to go out there and prove it. We'll see which one of these guys uh, can do that when they get into fall camp in less than two weeks. All right, it's widely known or accepted to the team. Is it widely known or accepted to the team and those inside the program that they'll probably not be going to a bowl game this year due to self-imposed penalties? If this thing lingers into September or even October, and the penalties are announced mid-season, what kind of effect would that have on the current team season? If they're playing well or better than expected, would it be a crushing blow? Not that big a deal since they're expecting it to happen anyway. I don't know where the players are on it. I don't know how much that's been talked about. You know, it was called a speed bump, Austin, on 
um, Tuesday in Hoover, Alabama. I don't know how much there's been, how much conversation there's been about what punishment will or, or won't be um, with current team members, you know, um, you know, they, they've obviously read and heard all the speculation, but I don't think that Josh Heupel sat down and had a lot of conversations say, okay, expect this because I don't think they've known what to expect. That's why they've not been able to answer the questions to recruits out there. Right. hundred percent. I don't think that, I mean, like, you know, you could make a case, because of the way the NCAA thing is, you know, floundering and faltering and crumbling that, you know, Tennessee could just go, eh, you ain't going to punish anybody else. We're not taking anything and we're just moving on. We fired everybody. You could also make a case for one year's or one year. I, I you know, and you could make it maybe a case for two, you know, I, I don't see anything more than that. Um, I, that's why I think one's the, the safe bet. You just miss one game and, and, you know, lose a handful of scholarships and you just keep rolling on. And Auburn wouldn't even like self, they wouldn't take away two scholarships, let alone even be talking about a bull bit, self-imposing. I mean, if I'm Danny, I, 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 no matter how I do, I proclaim I'm the national champ and, and just continue to roll on and, and, and don't take anything. Uh, with Horton essentially gone for the time being, who is left on the board uh, at receiver? Um, we obviously not named Pope. Is there anyone besides Caden Pope uh, and her boy from Canada left on the board, AP? Uh, yeah, there's the kid in uh, Florida. Um, God, name escapes me off the top of my head. But, I mean, really the top two are Pope and, and Alec. Okay. If those two guys are in, they're done. Okay. Uh, does VolQuest have a proper office space, or do you all work from your home? Uh, work from the house, work from the car, work from campus. Austin works from – uh, multiple places in his multiple guest homes that he has. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we work wherever, wherever the mobile access is, then, then we, we can get work done there. Uh, chat was done the other night at a restaurant for, for a part of the chat. <laughs> and then part of the chat was done uh, while we we're checking into a hotel there. So um, that's just the way that that goes. Um, all right. Which Vol and Hoops player do you think will make the most NIL money this year? Who you got? They say hoops, hoops and football. Who you got? You got Fulkerson and hoops. You got Kennedy Chandler. What do you got? I would say Folky. Yeah, man, I still think there's enough name recognition there. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, other, I mean, people on VolQuest, I, I think, have a little tunnel vision. I mean, there's to a lot of ball basketball fans who don't follow recruiting religiously. I mean, Kennedy Chandler is this kid. Who's the, how's the kid from Memphis that I've heard about? You know, it's not, whereas Fulkerson is going to do his sixth year. I mean, he's, you know, he can run for governor. All right, who you got in football, AP? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I would I would lean towards Joe Joe Milton or Harrison Bailey, uh, whoever wins the job, because I think that they can pick up stuff in season that will accumulate money wise. If 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 they go out if they go out and they have throw for some yards and win a few games, like let's say they just win the two Patsy games and beat Pitt and they're three and zero. Oh. Whoever the quarterback is, I think has a chance to capitalize on that, on that kind of start. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, I would would say Cade just because he's probably got the most name. But at the end of the day, he's an offensive lineman, so that's only going to carry so much weight. I mean, honestly, as somebody said the other day, if Walter Nolan were to pick Tennessee, barring how the quarterbacks do, he could come in as the most marketable player in the program. 
Yeah, that's true. Number one recruit in the country, according to ESPN at this point in time. Bottom line is nobody on this team is going to get uh, a million-dollar deal or a million-dollar deal like uh, the quarterback at Alabama is going to get. I, I think that's pretty pretty evident at this point. All right, uh, out the gate on this one here is tennis. Is Texas and Oklahoma really talking behind the scenes about joining the SEC, or is this just smoke to give the Big 12 something to talk about during their media days? What, what, do, you make, what do you make of this stuff? Well, AP, go ahead. Texas rivals has come out and they have, they have, they have put out, um, you know, on Wednesday night that, that Texas plans to inform the big 12 that it plan, intends to leave as early as next week. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how the dominoes fall. Cause if they're leaving, one would imagine so is Oklahoma and they're both trying to come here and another thing anywhere else with Texas, that would be a big stumbling block. I've also seen where, and again, Texas isn't saying this, but people that cover Texas are reporting that they would be willing to shut down the Longhorn Network, which if they came to the SEC, they would have to do. I mean, that would agreed. not fly. Yeah, agreed. I say this. If it means if, – if I'm a Tennessee fan and I know the traditionalists, I know the traditionalists. I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways. There we go. Get for rid of the Alabama pro- game. For this program, the best thing that can happen is that game – Move off the schedule on a permanent basis. I get somebody. There's going to be gnashing of teeth on this board on the board at, when they listen to this. I get it, but it, Tennessee can't. You know, I get Texas and Oklahoma are good programs. They're not Alabama. They're not LSU for that matter. Um, you know, so getting getting you know an Alabama off the schedule and replacing it with the occasional game with Oklahoma or Texas to me would it would be a positive for Tennessee if you're trying to crawl out and climb out of what you're doing. I get, again, the traditionalists are going to say, no, I like to play the third Saturday in October because I want that one chance that we get to smoke the cigar for the first time uh, since 2006. But I think if you're trying to crawl, crawl out, the best thing you can have happen is to have a more winnable game than a game that you've not won in 15 years. I'll say this. If this were to happen, and it's a huge if, long, long ways from the from these two teams joining the SEC, you – you will see Greg. You would see Greg Sankey in the SEC become the biggest advocate for a 16-team playoff as anybody in the country out there, because this league will just further beat each other up, and you want to get more teams. You know, if you're in a super league and you've got 16 teams, you want to get more teams in your play in the playoff. I think you would see the SEC be a big advocate for a quick expansion, a quick another round of expansion for the college for the college football playoff system. Uh, if that were to happen, if those two teams left the big 12, there would be no big 12. Um, you know, that, that would make it, that would certainly put the hammer on it in a hurry. So interesting times. Um, those are the two most profitable programs outside of maybe the private school, Rob Baylor, but, but I, I think you're looking at Texas and Oklahoma making the most money generate, they would generate the most dollars for a conference that they move to. They're the most marketable teams in that conference um, would be a major, major shakeup if something were to really develop out of this thing moving forward. I, I don't know what's got Texas ready to jump as fast as they have, uh, but um, it, it, it will, we're back to the conversations that could really change the footprint of college athletics. If those two, if those two teams are bolting and trying to get in the SEC. It would be revolutionary. It'd also be a. I mean, if, if it does happen, it would also be a wake up call for Texas because they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be running the show anymore like they are accustomed to, in in the Big Twelve. You know, maybe a little bit of Oklahoma thrown in there, but they wouldn't. 
they wouldn't have the muscle to to dictate policy the way that they do that do now and, and always have. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point because I mean that they they put the Big Twelve together the way it is right now. I mean it was they because they were out the door and so they they basically you know got the thing back together for the big 12. So you, you're right. They swing a large stick in terms of policy, in terms of how they do things. And, and that would not happen in this conference with them for sure. So huge storyline to keep uh, tabs on that. Uh, everybody's going to be watching uh, over the course of the next few weeks to see what really happens there. Does the, does Texas really inform the big 12 of that? Um, and and do, do things continue to, you know, keep moving in some kind of direction and, and, you know, is this, is there a smoke screen there or just how much is there uh, will be certainly worth talking about. Also we're talking about the start of spring or start of fall camp, which is now less than two weeks away uh, when Tennessee hits the practice field uh, in 13 days, we'll continue to get you ready for that as Rob will finish out his opponent previews and we'll finish out and we'll begin and finish our positional previews before Tennessee takes to the practice field. That's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.